Welcome to the Church Basement Podcast. Today's topic is the Book of Ruth. Grab a cup of coffee or tea, strap on your running shoes, or pick up your knitting needle or crochet hook and join us. Let us introduce ourselves. I'm Pastor Amanda Zensalo, and I serve as the pastor at Central Lutheran Church in Northeast Portland, Oregon. And I'm Dawn Miller, a member here at Central and the producer of the podcast. Okay, Ruth. I don't really know much about Ruth other than I have a niece named Ruth. (laughs) And I'm sure it's biblical. It is. But I don't even know. I would guess Old Testament, but I don't really know. Correct. Okay. This is a part of the Hebrew scriptures. Okay. And is another book like the book of Esther. Which we talked about. So if you're curious, you can go find that podcast. Yep. That is an entire book named after a woman. Wow. So it's the book of Ruth. And it's not just her story. Okay. I do want to say that we are going to be doing kind of a 5,000-mile flyby. Okay. So for folks who are really a deep fan of the Book of Ruth, please know that there have been volumes written about this book of Scripture. Wow. Absolute volumes and doctoral theses and researching and all kinds of incredible depth of things. So what we're going to cover in this podcast does not even scratch the surface of what you can dig into when it comes to this story. Okay. I want to put that out there and give that caveat as we dive into this Old Testament, this Hebrew scripture story. And I will say that this was actually one of the first books of the Bible that I ever read. Oh, really? Because it was assigned as text for my English class in college. Just a regular old English class. Because I didn't do any biblical study in college. Uh So in an English literature class. Oh, that's fascinating. And to look at the scripture as literature was one of the assignments because it really is, if you're not a religious individual, the Bible, the Greek and the Hebrew scriptures are still pieces of literature that have profound impact upon our culture, society, etc. Sure. And so in this English literature class, we had an assignment to read the book of Ruth. And so before I went to seminary, I think I had read some of the story of Exodus and the book of Ruth. And that's all the scripture I had read. Well, as for actually reading it, I hadn't read anything. (laughs) I read a little bit of some of the Hebrew scriptures only because I took a world religions class. There we go. And it was taught by a rabbi. There we go. So keep going. Tell me more about Ruth. So the book of Ruth is a rather short book. Okay. You would be able to read it in one setting in half an hour, 45 minutes. So it's only a few chapters long. Okay. It's not terribly long. It's not kind of an overwhelming read the entire book of Leviticus. and Or it's not going to be triggering for some horrible story, maybe? Um, it depends on how you read the story okay. and if you understand some of the nuance. Fair. Or if you just let it fly by you. Again, this is one of those books that you can dig into or you can take kind of in skim. But the basic storyline is that there is a couple, Naomi and Elimelech. Okay. Elimelech is a gentleman who is one of the people in the tribes that live in Bethlehem in Judah. Okay. And yes, that Bethlehem. I figured. Ye little town of Bethlehem. I mean, I didn't think it was going to be like, you know, the (laughs) Springfield. (laughs) Where there are five million Springfields. Right. So we're talking Bethlehem in Judah, that same town. So he marries Naomi. Mm -hmm. And Naomi and Elimelech, I believe because of conflict in the region, leave. 
and they go to Moab, a neighboring area. Okay. And just spoiler alert, the Hebrew scriptures don't really like Moabites. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Right? Like, oftentimes there's a whole lot of, you know, God's love endures forever, except for the Moabites. Oh, nice. Yeah. We don't like the Moabites. Just the black sheep. Okay. So Naomi and Elimelech move to Moab and they have two sons while they're there. And Elimelech dies. Naomi loses her husband. Okay. And so she has her two sons and her two sons marry Moabite women. Mm. They get married and then both of the sons die. Well, that's terrible luck. Yep really is. Welcome to the Bible. (laughs) Welcome to the Hebrew scripture. This all happens in the first two paragraphs, by the way. Oh, lovely. So then Naomi, who is spouseless and childless, Mm -hmm. says, I'm... Oh, that's not good for that time. Really not good for that time. Mm -hmm. And she's in a foreign country, Mm. right? Mm -hmm. It's not her country. She's from Bethlehem. She's from Judah. She is not a Moabite. So here she is in this country with her daughters-in-law who are from Moab but who have just lost their spouses. So we're three widows, two generations of widows in this foreign country. And Naomi says to them, I'm going back to Bethlehem. I'm going back to where my God is and go home to your families and find a new husband. Okay. And one of the daughter-in-laws, Orpah, says, okay, farewell, Mm -hmm. goodbye. And she goes on her way. And remains in Moab. The other daughter-in-law, Ruth, says to Naomi, where you go, I go. Oh, see, now I've heard that line. Uh Uh-huh. Your God shall be my God and your people shall be my people. And so Ruth travels with Naomi back to Bethlehem, back into the area, the region of Judah. And so there are many moments where particularly lesbian couples Hmm. use that scripture. At their wedding. I can see that. We have no proof or not proof of any romantic situation between Naomi or Ruth. Because they're not related by blood. They're not related by blood. We don't know the age difference between them. Okay. We know that one is a generation above the other, right? So we know that... Generations were a lot tighter back then, I'm guessing. Right? Uh Uh-huh. Who knows? And, And I don't honestly have a strong enough sense of... The relationship allowances between women to be able to answer. Is it even relevant to the rest of this discussion? It depends on who you are. If Uh you're a lesbian woman, yeah. I think it does stay relevant. Okay. Some women find representation within this story. Okay. And others would completely shy away from that interpretation, right? And say that I'm adding things into there and... Well, not that I'm shying away from it, but I would see it more as... Then again, here I am as a hetero female, just some of the close relationships I have with my wonderful female friends. Right. Right. Whom Mm -hmm. I have strong love for, just not necessarily romantic love. And that is all possible. You know, we don't know Ruth's family of origin story. We never learn Ruth's family of origin story. It could be that Naomi is very much a mother figure for her. Sure. We have no idea. What we do know is that Ruth goes with Naomi back to Judah. Yeah. So they arrive back in Judah and there is a wealthy relative of Elimelech's. So this is Naomi's husband. Okay. Right. And in the culture, 
if your husband dies, it is the responsibility of his family to continue to maintain and take care of the widow. Okay. To the point of marrying and continuing to have children with her. Wow. So since Elimelech's bloodline had stopped. Died out, essentially. Died out because the two boys had died. Then it is the responsibility of this family to take care of Naomi. Wow. So Naomi leads Ruth back to this area where there's a wealthy cousin. I believe it's cousin named Boaz. Okay. And she kind of explains what's going on to Ruth, but they go to this property and begin to glean from the harvest. And Boaz... So they're working. Well, they're gleaning. Okay. So it's a little different, right? When you glean, you're taking the leftovers that have been left after the harvest. Okay. I'm catching the difference. So harvesting is actually going through picking the best of the fruit and gleaning is going back with whatever may have been left or wasn't ripe at the time. Or didn't get picked up by the weather worker For whatever reason. Right. And okay. so within the law of Moses, within the expectation of the culture, you are to leave a certain amount for gleaning. Okay. For the widow and the poor to come and receive still from God's bounty. So Naomi and Ruth are doing what is expected of them by gleaning. Correct. Okay. And Boaz meets them and sees them in the field and has a conversation with Ruth, with young Ruth, okay. that we can make assumptions or not make assumptions of her attractiveness or whatever's. Okay. And then Boaz kind of likes them and sees how hardworking they are. And so he tells his workers to leave a little extra for those hmm. two women and to leave them alone and okay. let them be, let them take what they need. So Naomi interprets this as Boaz having kind of recognizing what his responsibility to them is, but not taking on his responsibility fully. Okay. Because technically he should be stepping forward to take better care of them than just allowing them to glean. Yeah. He should straight up be providing for them mm -hmm. instead of go ahead and take what you need. Right. So, gets towards the end of the harvest, and we're getting towards the threshing floor. We're getting to the end of, like, you know, the hard work uh -huh. of this kind of situation. And Naomi says to Ruth, go into him on the threshing floor. And when he's drunk and he's tired, lay down next to him. Okay. And so Ruth does this. The end of the long harvest, big threshing floor, taking out what is good and what is bad, hard day's labor, people drink, people celebrate the good harvest. He's passed out in the corner, and Naomi has told Ruth to go lay down at his feet. Mm -hmm. In the Hebrew scripture, the word feet is a metaphor for another body part. Okay. So Naomi's being a little manipulative here is what you're getting oh, at. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yep. So Ruth goes in and she lays down with him. And the insinuation, many people can say, well, she just laid down with him, taking the scripture literally. word for word, literally. Okay. And laying at his feet, like she just laid down next to him. There are many other scholars who would posit and suppose that in some ways this could have been a scene where she took advantage of him sexually. Okay. Where he was drunk and kind of passed out and she went in 
and seduced him. It's never good without consent. Correct. And yet I'm fascinated by the role reversal of what typically happens in this situation. Well, this is where, you know, I could say, I don't know if it's triggering or not, right? Mm -hmm. Because this is a story of someone being taken advantage of. Mm -hmm. Now, he had responsibilities. We don't know if there was consent. We so it's don't kind of know. a double taking advantage. He it's, wasn't stepping up, so she was pushing the whole issue. Naomi was coaching her on how to take it the next step, right? All right. So it's a difficult and messy situation. Mm -hmm. It's multivalent. It's something that is nuanced because we have this at his feet and his feet referring to feet or his feet referring to penis. And we sure, don't know. You got a whole lot of translation issues going on. There's Absolutely. a lot of time. There's a lot of culture. Okay. But you've left it at a cliffhanger. Yeah. So he wakes up in the morning and Ruth is sound asleep next to him. And then what? Don't tell me the book ends there. No, it doesn't. Okay. So it, moves through with him recognizing his responsibility and marrying Ruth. Okay. So he does enter into a marriage with Ruth. And Ruth has a son at the end of the book. She gets pregnant. She has a son. The bloodline is going to continue. The family is provided for. And the women surround Naomi and tell Naomi, give thanks for this daughter of yours, for she is worth more than any son. Because through Ruth mm -hmm. has come this salvation of the family and this provision for the entire family. So it's this odd flip where a woman becomes worth more than a son, which is unusual, uh -huh. and all these kinds of odd pieces. I will say there's one piece that I forgot. In the morning on the threshing floor, mm -hmm. right, Elimelech wakes up and he finds Ruth there. And basically he buys her off. Oh, Keep your mouth shut. He says, don't tell anyone. Okay. Because don't tell anyone because a woman shouldn't be on the threshing floor. But mm. here, hold out your shawl. And he gives her six big bushels of wheat. Okay. And sends her on her way. So, I don't know. Kind of looks like a bit of an NDA as uh -huh. you're reading it and modernized, right? So when Ruth goes back to Naomi, Naomi says, how'd it go? And Ruth is like, well, I came away this. with some wheat. Yeah, I came away with food. And Naomi says, just wait. He won't let this rest. He will do what is right. He will do what he is supposed to do by law and provide for us. I have to believe that our God will come through for us in this. Fascinating. So there's like all these odd dynamics of Naomi having Ruth use her, I mean, frankly, use her sexuality sure. to save them in this situation. And this It's male, so soap opera. -y. It's very soap opera. Very much so. And it ends with a happy ending in that he does come forward and he does do what is right. He does own that he has a responsibility to provide for them and he takes Ruth as his wife and they get their son. Uh -huh. So, I mean, it rolls out in the end, but it's a very fascinating story. And Ruth is a very fascinating character. And what I find interesting about her is that Naomi overshadows her in so many ways. Yeah, yet it's not Ruth, the book of Naomi. It's not the book of Naomi. It's the book of Ruth. Hmm. I guess I'm confused by that. Only because the reason it should be the book of Ruth is because she ends up having the child in the end and is married. But for the most part, it seems to me, the story of Naomi. Naomi's the mover and the shaker. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's the one who's moving people from point A to point B. She's the one who's pushing the plot forward, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Huh. And Ruth is the pawn. Totally. 
So why do you think then it's not named the Book of Naomi? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know if it's trying to lift up obedience or... That would make sense. Right? I mean, I, I don't know. And this is where spending more time with many other scholars who have looked at this, right? Uh-huh. There's certainly plenty of feminist scholars who have looked at this and have made commentary and pieces on it. There's a whole piece about the foreigner and the foreigner in the midst, right? Because remember, Ruth is a Moabite. Okay. She is not from Judah. And so to take a Moabite wife has connotations. She's an immigrant. She's not of Jewish descent. Mm-hmm. She is um, someone who comes to this faith, right? She has to convert to Judaism. That's mm-hmm. not her native religion. And so there's a whole bunch of pieces of dynamics that are here around, you know, moving. Naomi was an immigrant in Moab. Ruth is an immigrant in Judah. The power of women, the lack of power of women, the role of having a spouse or a son. Mm -hmm. How do you find enough food to eat, right? So there's a ton of power dynamics that this story lifts up and opens up and doesn't answer at all, right? Like It just throws the mess of our human construction onto the table and leaves it there for you to look at going, oh, I don't really like that the mother-in-law sent her in like that, Mm -hmm. but it worked. And I don't really like that he tried to buy her silence, but it worked. And God Uh still provided for them through this really, really messy thing. And wow, that's a ton of grief for these women to hold that Uh all of these men died in the first two paragraphs. And blah. It's such an interesting choice. I stumbled across this as a possible topic when I was flipping through the Lutheran handbook, and uh-huh. it's in one of their list of the 60 most important Bible stories. Not at all where I thought this story was going to go, especially <laughs> just knowing the where you go, I will go portion of it. Right. I think it's only four chapters, mm-hmm. but it's a really, really dense story. That's fascinating. Okay, then. Here's my last question for you. Where does Ruth fall in, let's call them the great dames of the Bible? What a hard question, because I think Naomi does overshadow her so much. Mm -hmm. Well, we can take the story as a whole. I think the fact that they are given names makes them important. Sure. Because so few women are given actual names. We know both Ruth and Naomi Mm -hmm. by name. And the many Miriams are still kind of higher on my list in in the way of I really resonate with Miriam the prophet and Miriam the mother of Jesus and Miriam of Magdalene, right? All these Marys. Mm -hmm. Um, I really resonate with the many of them who call into their power and step into their power. And I think that Ruth and Naomi step into their power in some interesting ways. I appreciate this for the complexity of the messiness of the story. Mm -hmm. I don't know when reading Ruth now as an adult with some scriptural background in me that I can find a hero in that story anywhere, mm-hmm. but I can find a lot of humanity in there. Yeah. And I, so I, I have like similar that. feelings yeah. about Esther when we talked about her. Right. Exactly. There's a lot of that story that gets glossed over conveniently for totally. reasons. Absolutely. And I think in these stories where sex and sexuality are used as manipulations and are used as ways of judging and valuing a person in Mm -hmm. the way, especially like in Esther, things are done. I think that rubs and slams up against how we experience our world now. Mm -hmm. 
you know, the ELCA is right in the midst of heading towards a vote on this social statement around women and gender justice. Mm -hmm. And this story and Esther's story like hit up against these expectations. And it's such a different time and such a different culture now. Mm -hmm. I appreciate the kind of opening up of the messiness of this kind of stuff. Yeah, I think it's got more value than closing it off and saying it's an artifact from a different time. Totally. And it's really real. Mm -hmm. That's another piece is that it's really real. There aren't really clear heroes and heroines in real life. True. There are multiple ways that we get around things and multiple, we do what we have to do to survive. Sure. And I appreciate this story for the opportunity to kind of open up that how far will you go to survive? Mm -hmm. And what choices will you make? And how will you lean into your belief that God is a God of abundant providence Mm -hmm. in times when you have nothing left. Yeah. I mean, it certainly highlights the fact that I've had a pretty privileged life and I've not had to make a lot of these really terrible choices. Right. Yeah. It's hard stuff. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you, Pastor Amanda, for taking the time to help us learn a little more about Ruth. I look forward to sitting down with you another week on another topic. As do I, and I encourage you, go pick up a Bible and read through the book of Ruth, see what you think. And if you think we've gotten it completely right or completely wrong, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you on our Facebook page or via podcast at centralportland.org. Thank you for listening. And until we are back in your ears again, remember, God loves you no matter what.